In Judges chapter 3, verse 31, it says, After Ehud, Ehud was that left-handed guy we talked about a few weeks ago. After Ehud came Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. He too saved Israel. The book of Judges is really interesting to me because it describes many of the unknown superheroes, if you will, uh, that, that saved Israel. Kind of goes through people that, you know, we don't usually study. And Shamgar is one of these guys. These are, these are men and women that God used sometimes single-handedly to deliver his people. I, I, I've noticed that God seems to love to use simple people. You know, he loves to use the, the, the person that most people would never really consider to rescue Israel. A remnant, if you will. That's the series we're in. We're talking about a remnant, even if you're the last voice, and God loves to use a remnant. In chapter 3, it's a farmer. His name is Shamgar, who, who rose to the occasion. I love that name, Shamgar. If, you have a, if you're going to have a kid soon, name your kid Shamgar. I think it's a cool name. <laughs> Not you, Jen. Um, <laughs> he, Shamgar turned his plowing field into a battlefield, and he struck down 600 Philistines. Now, the battle took place when the Philistines and the Canaanites were, were kind of scattered. But there was still enough around to cause trouble for Israel. And Judges, in chapter 3, tells us why. In Judges 3, verse 1, and I'm going to skip to verse 4. In Judges 3 and, four, and, and verse 4, it says this. These are the nations the Lord left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. These nations were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the Lord's commands which he had given their forefathers through Moses. God sometimes allows the enemy to survive in order to test the resolve of his people. To test their, to test their resolve. And I believe that's why God often um, allows us to go through challenges in our own lives doesn't just take all the challenge out of life. doesn't just, you know, come along and fix everything for us so we don't face difficulties. God allows those things to remain. He doesn't remove all the obstacles from our lives. God allows us to face the giants to test our faith, to strengthen our faith, to strengthen our resolve so that we will keep our focus on him. And the New Testament's clear as well. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, it says this, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And then Peter continues in chapter 5, verse 10, he says, And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. In one verse, 20 words actually, in 20 words, Shamgar, the story of Shamgar, teaches us so much, gives us so many valuable lessons. It said that he had an ox goad. An ox goad. An ox goad is basically a six, uh, an eight-foot-long stick 
on one end, it was, it was, it was carved out with a, with a spear on the end. It was like an iron spear that would come out and it would be used to, you know, to, to push the ox along, to, to move them along, to goad them along, if you will. The other end was shaped like a chisel. And the chisel would be used, a metal kind of thing that came out. The chisel would be used for the plow. So when the dirt got built up, you know how you walk in the dirt and it gets on your shoes or it gets on, on your, whatever tool you're using? The ox goad, the other side, the chisel would be used to, to dislodge the clumps of dirt that would build up on the plow. So that was an ox goad. That's what Shamgar used to defeat these well-trained Philistines. This was an army. This wasn't a bunch of Philistines walking around. This was an army, and all he had was an ox goad. Now, I need you to focus. I really need you to focus and reflect on this story, because it's really, it's really amazing. Shamgar is doing what he normally does. He's plowing. He, does, he was doing what a farmer does. He's plowing. The Bible doesn't say that, it doesn't, doesn't, say, it doesn't tell us about his physical abilities, like his physical prowess. It doesn't go into, you know, you have to understand, Shamgar was like, you know, Arnold, if you will. He was huge. He could take on ten men at a time. It doesn't go into any of that. It doesn't say he was smarter than everyone else, and he was able, didn't say that either. It doesn't tell us about his family. Oh, Shamgar. You, you have to understand, Shamgar came from a long line of warriors. It doesn't say that at all. Shamgar is a farmer with an ox goad. He was much like Gideon, Obed-Edom, Ehud, an unexpected hero. These are unexpected heroes. You heard a lot about Gideon, but really Gideon was an unexpected hero as well. He was a lot like many of us, living our lives going through our normal routine when all of a sudden, you know, you're going through your day. This happens to us sometimes and something amazing happens. In this case, he's going through his normal routine like you would do every single day and he sees the Philistines. And then he has to make a decision. He's standing there with his ox goat and he has to make a decision. Is he going to stand his ground? Is he going to fight? Or is he going to run away? You know, what do you do in your life when you're outnumbered because you're outnumbered very often you're outnumbered at school you're outnumbered at work sometimes you're outnumbered in your community events you're outnumbered almost in every activity you do what do you do when you are when someone tries to force you to change your convictions to compromise on your convictions Convictions come from the word of God. What does the word of God say? Those are the things I hold on to. But you're surrounded by people who are constantly trying to get you to compromise on your convictions. No, I choose not to do that. Well, you really need to do that. If you want to keep your job, if you want to move up in the company, if you want to be a part of our friend group, if you want to, the peer pressure, the peer pressure doesn't end in junior high or high school. It continues, believe it or not. If you want to be a part of, then you have to compromise. What do you do when those things happen? See, Shamgar must have had an amazing faith. I mean, he must have had a strong faith. I think, and a lot of this is, you know, obviously speculation because they only have 20 words. But I think that Shamgar, thinking through my own life when I was in situations where I had to do something um, really difficult. It, it, sometimes in my mind... Um, the, the, the heroes of the Bible will come back to me. 
I think about what they accomplished when I'm faced with a difficulty. It's just kind of downloaded into your brain sometimes. And I think Shamgar is standing there with his ox goad and he, and he starts to think about the God that he worships and all the miracles that God did for his people in the past. And he's thinking, uh, there's no way I can do this. There's just no way I can beat these guys. There's 600 of them. But he must have been an incredible man of faith in order not to run away, to go and hide. I'm sure he could have maybe outran them. They would have said, ah, stupid farmer, let him go. But he stood there in his field with his ox goat and said, well, this is it. A man of faith who remembered the past and remember what God had done in the past. There are times in each of our lives where we need to decide what we believe. You're going to be in situations. I don't care if you're in junior high, high school, younger or older. You're going to be in situations in your life where you're going to need to decide what you believe and how you're going to respond when someone asks you to do something. When someone is prodding you or pushing you to do it, how are you going to respond? We need to know what we believe and we need to know how we're going to respond. We have to ask ourselves, honestly, will we face the lions? Do I have the courage of Daniel to face the lions? Will we confront the giants like Caleb? Will we get out of the boat like Peter? Will we step into the Jordan, that raging river, the Jordan? When we pass through the sea, are we going to be willing in our own lives when the ocean opens up to think, I can do this. I can do this. I want to step out of the boat. I want to pass through the sea. I want to face the lions. I want to confront the giants. Each of us in our lives is going to have to decide at certain times what we're going to do, who we're going to be, what we believe, what we stand for, how we're going to respond. That's what a remnant does. A remnant responds like Shamgar. A remnant responds like Joshua. A remnant responds like Caleb, like Ehud, like Obed-Edom. A remnant responds, realizes that you're up against unbelievable odds, but that's okay because the God of the universe is standing with you. I'm sure that Shamgar was like, didn't bother the Philistines at all to think, oh, this is this farmer guy. I'm sure they weren't really interested. They weren't really worried about him at all. And, and, and again, speculation, I think they probably sent a few men down to kind of take care of this guy. Right? You're the, you're the Philistine leader. You have 600 men. There's a dude down there with a little ox goad, you know, poking his, his oxes to get him moving. And you're standing there. You're like, hey, you, you, this, you, whatever, five or whatever, six, go kill him. And he sends a few guys down there to kill him. That's probably, just speculatively, maybe what happened. Because it makes sense, right? He's only a farmer with an ox goad. How, what, what, possi- what, he, what could he possibly do against us? But when those Philistines were within eight feet of that ox goad, Shamgar swung it around and that's all she wrote. That's all she wrote. I mean, imagine the surprise on the Philistines' faces when he sent those first guys down there. See, like, 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 like Ehud, the left-handed man, like Ehud, they never saw him coming. They never saw him coming. They, they probably there was no nerves in them. They never thought that this was possible. They never saw him coming. But here's the thing. God was with Shamgar. God was with them. And my friends, that's all we need. 
That's all you and I need. As long as we know the Spirit of God is with us, we can overcome anything. Again, this is my opinion. But I think pride, pride allowed the Philistine leadership there to keep sending a few at a time down to take on Shamgar. And by the time they figured out that their strategy wasn't working, there were a lot of dead Philistines. And by the time it was all over, Shamgar is the only guy left standing. He's the only guy left there. And this farmer, this farmer takes on all of these men. This faith-filled farmer takes on an army of Philistines and he is victorious. He was literally a one-man wrecking crew, if you will. Took, took that ox goat and boy, he went to town. I don't want you to miss this. So, so I, I want you to think through what I'm saying right now. I don't want you to miss this. Shamgar won the battle. He won the battle with a tool he was familiar with. With the tool of his trade. Something that he used every single day. Think about that. There's so much in these 20 words. Shamgar, he wasn't sitting around. He wasn't an you know, archery expert. He didn't have a sword or whatever. He used the tool that he was using every single day. He used the tool of his trade. Something he was familiar with. Something he was good at using. That was his thing, an ox goad. He, man, can you imagine it, using that ox goad every single day? He probably could spin it around like a ninja or something. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? But if you're holding on to something all the time, if you play a sport, after a while, that basketball, that football, that baseball, that bat, whatever, feels like a part of your body, doesn't it? It's just part of you. This, this ox goad was a part of his life. So what can we do? What can we use to transform our cultures, our culture, to impact the people around us? What is it? What is your ox goad, if you will? For some of you, it's your voice. It's your voice. For some of you, it's a hammer. For some of you, it's a blender. You're great at cooking. And God can, believe it or not, God can use those tools of your trade, if you will, to impact the people around you. He gave you those skills for a reason. He gave you those skills for a purpose. And the purpose is to use it to glorify Him. The vision of our church is that we are a global community of Christ followers, awakening imagination, igniting passion, and unleashing purpose. We are, we are, a, we are a, a, a innovative church family. That's what we are. And we are going to use whatever gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given us to impact the world around us as the remnant of, that God can use. We can use whatever tools God has placed in our hands to transform our community. And that's what I've been talking about for the last few weeks. What are we going to use? What gifts, talents, and abilities do we have? I want to encourage you to use whatever you have to influence the culture, your community, and your world. Now, I want to introduce you. You can come up. Start coming up here. I want to introduce you to one person. And I'm going to do this, though. The next couple of weeks, we're going to do this. I want to introduce you to someone who is trying to do just that. And his name is Chris Koob. Why don't you sit right here, Chris? And I'll... There's water on that. I am not sitting on it. Yeah, sit right there. It's good. I have, one, I have one question I'm going to ask Chris, and then let him talk. How has God awakened your imagination, ignited your passion, and unleashed your purpose? One of these. Um, well, we came to Grace Chapel a number of years ago, 
because we didn't want to just do church. You know, we didn't want to go get in that routine where we just come on Sundays and so on. We met Jeff, and those of you that have been around for a little while know that Jeff's got an idea every five minutes. Uh, and we wanted, we wanted to be that challenge. We wanted to feel like we were a part of something that was going to the community and changing the world and so on. So it was maybe five years ago, we were in here, and Jeff, I don't remember exactly the, the, the sermon, but he was talking about serving and reaching the community. Uh, so, you know, I don't know, I was probably daydreaming, you know, or, uh, <laughs> I, was, I was taking your idea and going. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But um, uh, we decided to start Mason Serves, which we felt like, you know, why not have the community serve the community? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we, we started that organization. Uh, and what it basically does is uh, help the primarily elderly in the uh, area, not just Mason, but, you know, surrounding Mason. Uh, you know, outside jobs, maybe painting, maybe uh, leaf collection or leaf raking, maybe, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, to help them with their home, uh, and that kind of, I think we had four or 500 people do that last year. Uh, we'll do it again this year, uh, uh, November 9th. And then a, a little while ago, maybe nine months ago, same type of thing. Um, Jeff is challenging, you know, uh, in, in the service, and we uh, thought that you know, we really have a heart for reaching people for God. And um, uh, it just came on a heart. One of the areas that we felt like we could uh, maybe do that was through kids. Right now, uh, of the 18 to 30-year-olds, only 17% have an active relationship with God. Um, and the stats are, if you don't reach somebody prior to 18, there's only a one in six chance you will. So we just felt like in the schools and, and the younger ages, we wanted to uh, kind of go after and try to help. Uh, so we started uh, or brought something to Mason called School Release where we're going to take God to the schools. And I won't go through a lot of details of that, but uh, basically there's a thousand school districts in the United States right now where kids are allowed to leave for an hour, 45 minutes to an hour every single week for religious training, leave school. Uh, 60% of those have no church background at all prior to that. Uh, so we're going to do that here in Mason. We're, we're actively pursuing that. And then, um, I don't know, maybe nine months ago as well, we um, started talking to an organization, an entity called Pleasant Vineyard Ministry, which some of you might have had kids that went to Pleasant Vineyard for camp or things of that nature, and about partnering with them to maybe really for two reasons. One, to bring adults, youth, uh, males, females, et cetera, out there. Uh, there's something about, you know, in our day-to-day life, our busy life, I think Jen talked about it. Sometimes we get so busy, we don't necessarily hear God all the time, where you get away from our environment, maybe get out in the, you know, uh, out in the country, out in the woods, mm-hmm. and so on. You, you can hear God better. Mm-hmm. And um, so we started partnering with them and have had, you know, thousands now of people. They've been around for about 25 years reaching people to Christ, but also uh, uh, enriching relationships, uh, helping relationships, whether it be marriages or whether it be uh, father, you know, son, mother, daughter, you know, those kind of things. Um, 
In fact, this is, I mean, this, so we partnered with them, and this wouldn't happen without Jeff at all. Uh, instrumental, and I, I, someday I'll, I'll, if you want to know all the details, but it wouldn't have happened without him. So now we're partnering with this, this uh, Camp Pleasant Vineyard, and amazing things are happening uh, in people's lives. Relationships are being restored, enriched, and we just plan on keep on doing it. How many men will you bring out this year to Pleasant Vineyard? Um, just the ministry? Yeah, we'll have about, in the spring, men and women, different groups, different retreats. We'll have 400 in the spring and 400 in the fall, so 800. Uh, and um, a lot of them, for the first time, will start a relationship with God there. A lot of them are, you know, mm-hmm. just uh, feeling like they're walking zombies and, and we're getting their heart back. And I mean, it's just having an amazing impact. Uh, and then that permeates to the family. Right. You know, they come back uh, more challenged, more fired up about, uh, you know, leading their family spiritually and, and those kind of things. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Anything else? Nope. All right. Thank you, my friend. So here's the deal. Now we actually have a camp as a church that we can use. And I know a lot of you, there's no way that there are not people in this room who have said to themselves, man, I always wanted to work at a camp, or I've always wanted to serve at a camp, or I've always wanted to help build a camp. Here's your opportunity. There's a sign-up sheet out on the table with all the other sign-up sheets for life groups. There's a sign-up sheet for just to say, yeah, I'd like to be, not just go up there once, but I'd like to be involved in helping build this camp and getting it going. Because you're talking 800 men are going out. We're taking our men's retreat there, the 18th and 19th next week. Our men's retreat's going to be there. So please, if you're a guy, we would love you to come out. Even if it's just for Friday or just for Saturday, we want you to come out. It starts at 6 on Friday and ends at 3 on Saturday. But come on out because we want to share the vision of some of the things we want to do there. I'll give you one one thing, and I'll I'll move on here. One thing we want to do at this camp vision-wise you know how with back-to-back we go all over the world and go to in, we go to India, Nigeria, you know, we go to Mexico and we're going to be in Haiti. We would like to build, for example, an African village on that property, a, a, a literal African village. So you're, it looks like you're walking right into an African village and have people stay there and experience what it's like to be in Africa without going to Africa. And get your heart pumping and thinking, yes, this is something one day, maybe I want to be a missionary, maybe I want to, maybe I want to go there and serve on a missions trip or something. But it gets you passionate about the places where we're serving now around the world. We want to create different, different areas, Mexico, uh, Haiti, you know, Africa, India, where people can go with their families or youth groups or whatever and experience what it's like, even for three days or maybe a week to be there. So there's a lot of dynamic, exciting things we want to do with this camp and and we need your help and here's the, the thing for me we i can stand up here and you know talk about shamgar and and we talk about the past and what god has done and but the reality is what is god doing right now in your life that's what i want to talk about that's why i'm talking about shamgar i want to talk about what god has done in his life so i can inspire you to say and that's why i wanted i wanted to have people come up i wanted chris up here next week we're gonna have someone else come up and share how i'm going to ask him how has god awakened your imagination ignited your passion at least your purpose and you're going to hear things over and over from people sitting around you of how god is working in their hearts not just to talk about being a remnant but how are we going to live it out in our lives how are we going to do that Shamgar used an ox goad. That's what he used. Every, everybody here needs to fight with the tool of your trade. 
Every single person here. That's why I want you to think about it. He used an ox code. What can you use? We need to use what God has given us, no matter how insignificant it may appear. Before I, before I say anything else, um, October the 27th is a Sunday. End of, the, end of this month. We're going to go out to the camp as a church after second service, drive up there, kind of carpool up there, and have a picnic and show you the camp, okay? To get your, get your juices flowing, get your passions flowing for what the possibilities are. October 27th, picnic up at the camp after second service. But God wants you to use the, the tools that he has placed at your disposal. Why do you think he's made you such a great businessman? To become rich? Do, get, get all your own stuff and then leave the money to the next generation? That's not the reason. He didn't give you that skill for you to use it just for yourself. He didn't give you the skill of, of cooking. He didn't give you the skill of, of singing. He didn't give you the skill of being a contractor. He didn't give you the skill of whatever business you're involved in. He didn't give you that sports skill to use just for yourself. He gave it so that you could glorify Him, that you could be a remnant, you could reach out to the people around you and influence their lives. So what is your ox goad? What is it? What is, is, it a, is it writing? Is writing your thing? We have a new writer's group that's starting, and it, the first one is October the 19th. We'll be in this back room we just, we just worked on, Saturday the 19th. There's a sign-up sheet out there on the table as well. You like to write. You want to learn about writing. You want to learn about being published. You want to learn. You can use that skill to glorify God. Is it sports? Is that your thing? We have a, we have a, a Grace Impact Center, a sports center, if you will, over there. We have an impact group, the athletic impact group. As far as I know, the last I heard, there were over 100 students in someone's house, the McDowell's house. You want to be involved using the gifts that God has given you? What is your ox code? Is it business? We have at work on purpose. We have self-sustaining enterprises. Are you a teacher? Is that what you do? How can you use the gifts and talents and abilities that God has given you? Is it drama? Wait till next week's testimony. You want to hear what we're doing over the next uh, few years. Wait till, wait till we get Grace up here next week to share what God has placed on her heart and how she's going to use the church, Grace Chapel, to impact the lives of people all around her. What is your ox goad? God has given each of us time, talents, and treasures that he will use to build his kingdom. That he will use. He will use your gift, your talent, and your ability if you'll just allow him to do it to build his kingdom. There are so many ways that God can use us to fulfill his purposes. He simply expects us, my friends, to use whatever tool that we have. That's what he's asking. You say, well, mine's all I can do. I, doesn't, he had an ox goat and he killed 600 Philistines. Have you, who, you hear sort of an ox goat before this morning? <laughs> exactly. Okay. I mean, how, how impressive can that be? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. God will use whatever gift, talent, ability. You don't think it's a talent. It is. If you can do it, God can use it. God can use that in your life. It, listen, here's the deal. It doesn't matter what you can't do. It matters what you can do. So many people, I can't do that. I can never, I can never do the camp thing or I can never uh, start this organization I can never sing. I can't do that. I don't care what you can't do. What I care about is what you can do. What's your ox goat? Figure it out. If you don't know, figure it out. And God will use it to his glory and to further his kingdom. Like Shamgar, all we need is faith. 
and maybe an eight foot stick, you know what I mean, to fulfill our purpose and our destiny. All we need is faith. I know it's hard. I know you get beaten down. I know you get beaten back. But here's the deal. I probably had one of the worst two or three weeks in the last four or five years about start about two weeks ago up until about now three days ago. Okay. But I sat back and I thought to myself, why is this happening right now? Why is the whole world seem to be crumbling in all around me physically, emotionally, all the things financially? Why is this happening? And honestly, it's spiritual. I'm getting up here and saying things that are stirring people's emotions and imaginations that are igniting their passions. The enemy, the last thing the enemy wants me to do is stand up here and challenge you. He'd much rather me get up here and say a few things that sound pretty spiritual and nice that maybe you can't really apply to your life that much and you leave and go home and don't think about it. But you're not going home and not thinking about it. You're going home and talking about it. You're going home and thinking about what is my ox go? What can I do? How can God use me? That's dangerous. When you make noise, you attract attention. I'm not surprised at what I'm going through. You shouldn't be surprised when God knocks you down or pushes you back. See it, not God, when the enemy knocks you down or pushes you back. See it as an opportunity. See it as a, yeah, you, should be, you should be flattered that the enemy would choose to spend a t- pour his attention on you. You must be doing something or you must be preparing to do something or God must be preparing you to do something in the future. And the last thing the enemy wants is for you to pick up your ox goad and go to town on the Philistines. That's the deal. And God can use your faith. And you say, I don't have a ton of faith. God can use the faith the side of a mustard seed. He used the jawbone of a donkey. He used the, the, the slingshot of a young, a young man. He used, he used Ehud's dagger. Moses' staff, he used a loaf of bread and, and, and a few fish for goodness sake from a little kid. He can use anything. It doesn't matter. Remember a few weeks ago I said this? It, it, it's not the power of the man or the woman. It is the power of the God who is walking with the man or with the woman. It's always about God. It's not about us. Read your Bible. You go through the Bible and you read through all these superheroes of the Bible. And if you really start picking, being picky uni about it, you're kind of like, man, these guys aren't so sharp, all of them. They did this, they did that, they did the other thing. It's not about them. The whole, story, the whole Bible is about God and how God uses people who are sinners, fallen sinners to do amazing things. People who are not perfect. People who mess up. People who do the wrong thing. But as long as they have a heart to say, God, forgive me, use me, God will use them. That's what the Bible's all about. Zechariah 4, 6 says it really well. Not by might nor by power, but by, my, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. One theme I've noticed throughout the Bible, a major theme throughout the Bible, is when the spirit of God is with me, when the spirit of God is with you, nothing can stand against you. You read through it. When the Spirit of God is with you, nothing can stand against you. It's God's Spirit that determines what will happen in your battle, the battle you're fighting right now. It is God's Spirit working in your life that will determine if you will be victorious, not by your own power. We hear it over and over and over again. Read, your, read through the book of Judges and what you're going to hear over and over and over again is the Spirit of God came upon him in power. I love that because I know what's coming next. Something really cool. The Spirit of God came up, and Samson's one of my favorites. The Spirit of God came, in pow- came upon him in power. A lion was roaring toward him. And the Bible says he took that lion and tore it to pieces like he would have torn apart a little goat. 
the Spirit of God came upon him in power. Satan's like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Oh, no! But what happens when a roaring lion goes up against someone who's filled with the Spirit of the living God? He gets ripped to pieces like a little goat. It isn't about my power. It's not about your power. It's not about your intellect. It's not about who, how smart you are, how strong you are. It's about how amazing our God is. Victory does not come to the most powerful, the most intellectually superior. It comes through God who works in our lives, who puts those, who works through us. The most powerful combination in the world is an almighty God unleashing his spirit on a faithful remnant. The most powerful combination in the world is an almighty God unleashing his spirit on a faithful remnant. That's us, a faithful remnant. Now we have another tool, a camp. Lives can be transformed if we take the, if we take the responsibility and we own this and we bring people there and we think of ways to use this camp. Families can be changed. Children can be changed. Students can be changed. It's just another opportunity that we have as a church that God has given us. Why? Because we've awakened our imagination. We've ignited our passion and unleashed our purpose. And when God says, hey, I want to give you something, we say, thank you very much. Not, oh, well, what's, how's, what's that going to cost? What's that going to be? Well, how's it going to ha- affect us? And what is, it, what is the insurance going to be? Thank you, Lord. Let us plow forward with our ox goat and change our culture. See, that all being true, that's all true. But we still have a tendency, every single one of us have a tendency sometimes to still depend on our own strength when we go through challenges. We see God, and this is, we can't do this. We see God as kind of a last resort. I, I'm going to do this, and I can move out. I was great at this for years. I'm getting a lot better. But I, something happens, and I can do this, and I can move this around, and I can make all kinds of, oh, boy, 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 I'm a New York boy. I can do it all, you know, get it done. That's what we have a tendency to do. We depend on our own strength and our own wisdom and our own intellect, and God becomes a last resort. But Isaiah chapter 31 verse 1 warns us. It reminds us, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, who rely on horses, who trust in the multitude of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen. But do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. My friends, I want you to grab your ox goad. I want you to grab that ox goad and defend the territory that God has placed in your care. Whether it's your school, whether it's your place of business, whether it's your community, whether it's your home. Defend that territory that God has placed in your care. You have the weapon. You have it. You have that gift, that talent, that ability. You have that ox code. You have a place of influence. You see, I'm not very influential. If you're around two people, you influence them. You need to use that influence to impact their lives. It's time to start paying closer attention to the gifts, the talents, and abilities that God has placed into our hands. It's time to start seeing those tools, those tools that you own, that you have, hammers, whatever violins, your voice, whatever is seeing those tools as God's provision. God's provision for you to impact your culture. You are not powerless. You have the power of the Holy Spirit of God living in you. The power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ lives in you. And don't let anyone tell you anything different. 
You are powerful and God wants you to use that tool for his glory. It is time to realize the power you possess when an almighty God unleashes his spirit in your life. We need to own that. We need to believe that. We need to believe that and respond to it and respond to it. Get involved. Get involved. Use your gifts. Use your talents. Use your financial resources to impact the culture, to impact the world. Let's change the statistics that we hear that discourage us. We are a remnant. And with the Spirit of God at work in our lives, we can transform, we can change, we can renew our culture. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord God. I thank you for the way that you are moving in the lives of the people of this church. For the vision that you're giving them. For awakening their imagination so they can dream again. Some people are older here, Lord, and they haven't dreamt in such a long time. They've been beaten down. They've been, they've been abused. They've gone through so many struggles and they've lost the ability to dream. Spark that dream again once more in their minds, Lord God. It's never too late as long as we're breathing. We surround ourselves with other people with that same heart, with that same dream, with that same vision, and there's nothing that we can't do. I pray that you would light a fire in the people of this church, that you would set our hearts on fire, that you would unleash, Lord God, you would unleash the gifts and the talents and the abilities that we have on this culture, on our friends, on the people at school, on the people at work, that we would love them so much and so hard and show them so much passion and encouragement and grace and love that they be drawn to you. Let us use the ox goad that you have given to us. Let us find it. Let us use it to transform our culture in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Go get them.